Marketing Made Easy, the podcast. Now here are your hosts from Get Savvy Club, Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Easy from the Get Savvy Club. Anna Geary and Anita Baldwin here in a life before Get Savvy Club. And actually we still do a bit of it now, but we don't really speak a lot about it, do we? I did quite a bit in property, but I hung out with a lot of people that were in property and things. And actually we have loads of people in our world, Get Savvy Club world, that are in property in all different ways shapes of or and we often like. talk at property events don't we yeah mm-hmm. so um this this guy that's going to be on this podcast simon zucci is huge in the property space it's very likely that if you've been along to property networking you've been along to one of his networking events that his business originally set up so it's uh, really great to actually have him on here and have a chat with us yeah interesting guy and actually for someone so successful just really nice normal guy just normal yeah, yeah just matter of fact every step of his way because he'll talk through it obviously when you listen to it of his career and like his property journey kind of just led into the next like effortlessly almost if he thought he saw a, a problem there and he thought oh i need help with that he kind of created that thing so that the people that were following him on prophecy could take advantage of that so i think that was part of, of like his that. modesty though yeah. just going oh it just yeah. naturally happened i yeah. did this and that and rather than going yeah i'm bloody great aren't i which um you know some people don't do um but yeah cool let's get into it if you're enjoying marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe i started investing in property back in 1995 so quite a long time ago but i actually became a landlord straight away because i rented out two of the rooms to my friends who are still studying at Birmingham university I just started work at Cadbury's as a graduate trainee. It was my dream job and I was going to work my way up the corporate ladder. That's what I wanted to do. I bought this house and I didn't want to live on my own. So I got one a bit bigger than I needed, rented out the rooms and I kind of lived for free, which was pretty good. And I Mm. saved a lot of my salary because of that. And uh, I had a part-time business running student nightclub events in Birmingham, which is a really fun thing to do as well at that age. And so I had this money in my business bank account and I actually decided after a couple of years to buy another house a bit closer to Cadbury's, uh, which is just in Bourneville next to Silic where I was living. And uh, I kept the first house and rented it out to students from Birmingham University from about 1998. So that's been a proper landlord since about then. I had this real light bulb moment. And that was at the time I was on the graduate scheme at Cadbury's and I was probably putting in I don't know, 200 plus hours a month. And I, at the time I was earning about 1500 pounds back in 1998 as a graduate trainee. I had this one property that I was renting out as a, just a small three bed HMO, it was a house of multiple occupation. And I spent maybe a couple of hours a month, if that, looking after this property. And yet it was making me 500 pounds a month profit. And I thought, hang on a minute, I was spending 200 hours and earning 1500 pounds in a job and I'm spending two hours in my property, if that, and only 500, I've got to do more property. I started to buy a few more. And by 2001, I did something I never thought I'd do. I quit my dream job at Cadbury's. I'd finished the graduate scheme by then. I was senior manager. I, look, I love the company. I love the people. I love the product. But I just enjoyed my freedom a bit more. And so but everyone thought you were mad. What did your Oh, yeah. Say? When you're the graduate scheme, you're, you're meant to bore the directors. They said, Simon, you, you could go really far in this company. You're crazy. What's this you want to do? You know, and so that was nice that they were saying that. Well, yeah, OK, if you want to go, go. It was nice that they kind of want to hold yeah. on to you. And they've taken on as a graduate. It's pretty hard to get onto those kind of graduate schemes and they nurture you and, and et cetera. Look, I liked my job, but the problem was I just liked free time a bit more. I liked holidays more. And I, only, I would only get five weeks holiday a year. Yeah. Um, as you ladies know, when you work for yourself, you probably end up working more than you would if you work for someone else, right? But you still need to have that quality down 
downtime is so important. I just wanted to do that. And I, I was doing quite well in my property business and I was for my property and I had my student club business. So I kind of thought, hey, I don't really need to get up and be at work at seven in the morning. And so I decided to leave. And yeah, people thought I was crazy. And I thought I was a bit crazy at first. But then I kind of enjoyed the freedom and I kicked back a little bit and relaxed a little bit and took me a couple more years. But by 2003, so after eight years, I'd completely replaced my former salary at Cadbury's. And I did it the hard way that there were no podcasts like this. The internet wasn't really around when I first started. I did it the hard way through trial and terror. So you're completely self-taught, yeah. really. I am self-taught. I, well, I, no, I am, but I did, did get go some good mentors along the way. My first original mentor was my first landlord, my first student landlord. When I was a student, I did a four-year course, combined honours, manufacturing, engineering, and business studies. So I had a four-year course, and I stayed in halls of residence for the first two years. And my third and fourth year, I went to a student house. So I had some friends I was moving in, and I found the house. So I got to choose the room I was in. And we went to sign the contract. So now, the, our landlord lived on Farquhar Road, which is a very posh road in Birmingham. Found it just around the corner from all the student university halls of residence. We walked into this massive house and he, he had this kind of library full of shelves, you know, floor to ceiling with books, huge oak desk, massive leather chair behind the desk and four little chairs in front of him. He obviously knew about negotiation, right? And we sat on our little <laughs> chairs holding our rental contract. And as a cheeky, I don't know, 19 year old or something at the time, I said to him, excuse me, I hope you're asking, this is a really nice house. What do you do for a living? And he said, well, I used to be a solicitor. And, you know, we know solicitors are well paid, right? They're very clever. And then he said, but now I'm just a full-time landlord. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but something went in. And and later, he was a hands-on landlord. I'm not a hands-on landlord at all. Uh, People manage my properties for me. But he would find the tenants. He'd sign the contracts. He'd collect the rent, chase late rent. He'd inspect the properties. He wouldn't do the maintenance, but he'd organize the maintenance, et cetera. And so he came around for just an inspection towards the end of our year in that property. And I, I said, do you want a cup of tea? Sat down. He kind of explain the basic concept. And I didn't really get it, to be honest. I thought, oh, that, that sounds really interesting. I must do that one day. I didn't understand it. You find a property, you buy that property, and you rent it out. And the idea is the rent is more than the cost of the mortgage and the insurance and the maintenance and the management. So at the end of each month, you've got some money left over. And I like to look at property a bit like a little cash machine. He explained he did this. And I said, well, how many do you have? And he had 100 properties in Selly Oak. Wow. That's probably worth about 40, 45 million pounds. I think he passed away a few years ago. He was the inspiration why I should get into property because none of my family have ever invested really apart from their own homes. None of my friends are doing it. And so when I was at work and I was starting to buy property, there was no one I could talk to. When I left work, there was no one I could talk to. And I was going to breakfast network meetings, which was a great way to meet a solicitor, mortgage broker, yeah. accountant, all the people I needed for my property business. But none of them had any investment property. They owned their own homes, but they didn't have investment. Yeah. They didn't really understand what I was going to. So it was really very, very lonely. And in 2002, I think it was, I did get a leaflet come through my door. And I started investing in myself in person. I was, I was buying Tony Robbins CDs and I was going to a few Tony Robbins and Brian Tracy events and things like that. And so I, I understood the value of investing in myself. And I was obviously on some mailing list because of that. And I had a leaflet come through my door saying, would you like to be a property millionaire? And it was a, a free talk from a seminar. Come. This was in 2002. And I, I thought, oh, that sounds good. So I went along to this talk in Birmingham. Uh, sure enough, some of the things I knew, but they talked about things I didn't know. I thought, well, that's interesting. I always got an open mind. always want to learn more. 
And so they were selling a £3,000 course down in London. So I went with my girlfriend at the time. And yeah, sure enough, some things I knew. But again, it was it was amazing. I learned about all sorts of things I'd never even thought about. Even though at that point, I'd been investing seven years. I'd, I'd already left my job. I was not quite almost financially independent. And I came straight off that course. And I found a property that was slightly below market value. I used some creative finance. So I used some credit card checks to buy that property. Wow. Um, I was say, how easy was it to get like buy to let mortgages and things back then? This was 2002, 2003. It's dead easy. Okay. And you could also get self certification on, on Oh, buy-to-let. yeah. So you just signed to say you could afford it, which is why the credit crunch happened. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there was lots of irresponsible lending and borrowing. But it was my girlfriend's first place. We put it in her name as her first. We got a 90% mortgage, put down £128,500, this lovely two bedroom flat, needed a bit of work doing, and put 10% down on a credit card check. Spent about six and a half getting it rewired, new kitchen, new bathroom, added value to it. And six months later, uh, it was worth 150 because of the work we'd done and, and the market was booming then. So we refinanced it, paid off the credit cards, got another 90% mortgage, 135, with no money left in property. So it was a what we would call in the property world a BRRR, so buy, refurb refinance and then rent but it was actually we were living there together as a couple so that course was great and and i definitely learned things i didn't know even though i'd already left work through my property income but then what happened was i realized again how lonely it can be because i got this one point then i kind of lost momentum i was going to breakfast networking meetings and no one there really knew what i was trying to do and i was going to a, a group called the yes group which is a personal development group linked to Tony Robbins and a couple of people in property, but no one really. So I thought, well, why don't I set up my own group, self-serving at first, to be honest, just to try and meet and connect with other people and understand what they were doing. So in 2003, I went online to see if there was some sort of property networking group, but there wasn't any at all. There, there were no meetings at all. So I kind of pioneered property networking in the UK back in 2003. And so the very first networking meeting called Property Investors Network, a little meeting in Birmingham with not more than probably five or six people at that first meeting. And it kind of grew and grew. We started a few other meetings. And then eventually we now have 50 plus meetings around the UK. And and my business has actually been purchased and I'm staying on as a CEO to help grow it around the world. So we're going to pretty much every English speaking country in the world in the next three years. So yeah. pretty amazing. Really amazing. You probably could not have had that vision back in the day. You just did it because there was oh, a, no. which just shows things you I do where there's a real need. If you've got a need, others have got a need and Absolutely. look what happens. And here's here's a tip. I know we've got lots of entrepreneurs listening. If you want to have a successful business, think about how can you add value to other people? If you can add value, if you can spot a problem and solve that problem and give value, you will always have customers. Because that's how we started. We did it as a bit of a side hustle, didn't we? A joint project to just help people use online marketing, get more clients. And now that's all we do because it was so much needed. You know, someone, even though other people are doing, they're not doing it the way we were doing it. And it just kind of has exploded. And it's exactly the same thing, I guess. Yeah, because other people, you have people that are like maybe a LinkedIn expert or a TikTok expert or, and actually the principles of, are the principles it doesn't really matter yes. you know once you learn the get savvy club way it's, it's actually we're more for people that um they perhaps don't want to do social media actually they don't like they're, they're not rushing to set their instagram page up or whatever it's a necessary evil to get themselves clients and they know they need to be out there they're perhaps not confident so we help around like the confident the clarity of their messaging the confidence and then obviously can being consistent and getting out there but it can be applied to any different um social media platform so if the next new thing comes out you can just apply it to that it's just obviously yeah. you know well, let- let me yeah. help inspire all your listeners to explain just how important it is. So, so that's a little bit about my background. And I, I'm still investing in property. 
tea because why wouldn't I? Because I've a great deal. How many houses do you own? I personally own in my name 30 houses in my own name. Oh, wow. However, things have changed actually and it's not best to own it when you're in it's best to own companies so i have a couple of different companies i have about 25 units in various companies as well mm. but actually a better question to ask someone is and it's a bit of a personal question i'm not going to give you the answer but you can guess not how many properties you have is what do the properties do for you i would much rather have five really good high cash flowing properties i know people with 50 properties and they're trying to manage them themselves and they're not doing they're not really making much money because they haven't bought the right kind of property. So, and the government have have tried to make it increasingly difficult for private landlords, haven't they? They have, yeah, they have. And I think it's because one of the, I think it might have been Gordon Brown or, or one of the former chancellors, one day was speaking to someone in the tax office, and they realised that there's two million plus property investors around the UK, and many of them are probably not declaring all the tax they should declare. And sometimes that's through a lack of knowledge and ignorance, and, and sometimes it's very deliberate. If we make this a bit more institutionalised, if they don't really want private individual landlords like us, they want companies and institutions providing the the property for the private rental sector. It's far easier to legislate against, to tax against, etc. So in two thousand. 2017, 2017, they bought in something called Section 24, which means ultimately, if you own property in your own name, which always used to be the best way to do it, mm. and if, you're, if you've got mortgages, which most investors have, and if you're a high-rate taxpayer, which not all, but many property investors are because they're making money from their property as well as from their job and their business, then you pay a lot more tax on that property. But if it's in a company structure, you're not affected by that. So that's why many people going forward are doing property in a company structure. I love to be the catalyst that helps people just completely change their lives when they get it and they they realize they can, very much in their part-time, you don't have to do property full-time at all. You can create this additional income that comes in that replaces or substitutes whatever you're doing for a living. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, you can leave. Or if, even if you do like it, it's great to put a safety net in place. I think one thing that we all learned from COVID is it's, it's very risky to rely on just one source of income. You yeah. want to have multiple streams of income coming in. And so a couple of things we teach our students. One is that if you want to attract people to work with you who might have funds, and by the way, right now, is one of the best times to use other people's money because we have such high inflation and very low interest rates, although they're going up. So anyone who's got money in the bank is actually losing money every single day. And you can help those people, whether you're a business owner, you want money for your business, or whether you're a property investor, you want money for your property, by taking that in to use it in your business and giving them a much better return than they would get in the bank. But people are only going to lend you money if they know you, like you, and trust you. So by raising your profile on social media, and it's not about boasting or or bragging or exaggerating, just sharing your journey. It's being social. That's what you're supposed to do, right? So it's, you know, you might see the people, the the picture of the bunch of keys outside their property, a bit cheesy, or the the before and after refurb pictures. Those are the kind of things you should be putting on all of your social media platforms to really raise your profile. And there would be people who you know, they might be former work colleagues or school or university friends who are what we call lurkers and they're just yeah, watching in the background and they'll just notice what you're doing and they might know you as a, a teacher or a doctor whatever you do for a profession but actually you're an entrepreneur they didn't know you did property until you started posting on social media and letting people know and especially if you say things like hey you know i'm helping people need to sell their property and help investors get a great return on their money you'll start to get people come out of the woodwork who, who want to know a little bit more about that and maybe want to work with you so 
If you want to attract money, business, property, whatever, you should be on social media. Just building your brand for whatever your business is. I know there are lots of non-property people on this as well. Your business, again, people need to know you if you want them to become customers. In my world, the property education world, there are some people who've not been investing half the amount of time that I've been investing. They're not been training the amount of time I've been training. But because they've become really good at social media, in a very short period of time, they've built up quite substantial training companies in property because they've been able to put this perceived perception out there. Yeah. yeah, you're so right. And also we hear a lot where people say, oh, OK, I'm just not quite ready to get on social media because I just need to do this. And, and you know, that's just never wait, because what you're saying is completely right. You build up the know, like and trust and then you start talking about what you do. And that takes Absolutely. time to build up. You're not trying yeah. to sell straight away. You're just no. sharing, telling people what you do. Yeah. Documenting you know. it, yeah. And you're Absolutely. right with the lurkers, all the, you know, the times. you, And even, like, the amount of people that will message out of the blue and say, oh, I've been watching you for ages and anything. I genuinely don't know who you are, but they've obviously watched, every, yeah, you know. Exactly. We have a Let's be honest now, ladies. Do we really know all the people on our social media platforms? Of course we don't. You know, we, we know some of them. I mean, know some of them vaguely, but there are people who just get attracted. And when you first open social media, I can't remember adding lots of people who want to request. And I'm far more selective now, obviously. But yeah. <laughs> in, the, in the early yeah. days, anyone wants to join? Yeah, come on in, yeah. join the party. And we have a really I, simple little tactic. When people start working with us, we give them to do, to, which basically tests the lurkers in their audience and goes out with, you know, something to just try and generate. And often, you know, we've had clients generate like 30, 40 different sales calls just from this one tactic. Yeah. And actually, yeah. it makes us look great when they started working with us. But it's a simple thing because it, what it's doing is it's testing who's out there already with you. So we're looking at smoking them out. To light, the engagement levels and, you know, Absolutely. grabbing that low hanging fruit, which is always out. I think you've cracked the formula because I don't think social media is actually difficult. No. But I think you need to know how to do it. Mm. And I think you need to do it consistently. Yeah. And so and it can feel never ending, but it's not. Some of it you can automate, but I think some of you need to have mm. some social inter proper interaction as well, because you know, you can't automate all of it. And I think you need to decide, are you going to use social media as a way to market your business or not? And if you don't, fine, but I think you're missing out if you don't do that personally. Yeah. We use a lot of social media and also we get a lot of affiliates. We get a lot of people who can promote out and they're usually people who've done our training, who've loved what we've done and, and they then promote it out as well. And, and that's something for them to put on their social media, by the way. And they're linking to me and getting credibility in, within the property world. They credit yeah. me say, oh, I'm one of Simon's students. I've done this. So they get credibility that way. Because if you're attracting people to you, whether it's to do business with you, to lend you money for your business or your property, they need to know you know what you're doing. You know, you're going to look after their funds and things. So people get credibility by attaching to people and then, you know, it's mutual benefit. And, and again, you're giving value to people. That's what you think about. Are you more uh, advocating commercial property or residential property or what, what are the kind of methods around all of that? Yeah, so I think there are actually uh, 16 core ways of making money from property. And I won't go into all of them, but they roughly split between residential property where people live, obviously, and commercial where you have some sort of business activity. And there's a bit of an overlap as well. My gut feeling is most people do and should really start in residential property because we all understand, because we all lived in a house or an apartment yeah. or that, we understand what, what's required there. Whereas commercial property is a little bit more different. Uh, and there are some real benefits of commercial property, such as you tend to have a longer tenant in there. The tenant looks after the property, they ensure it, they maintain That's it. That's so what's attracted me. Having yeah. had a tenant who just like didn't trash it, but didn't massively look after it. To be fair, it, it looked worse, your, your buy-to-let, than it actually was once they went. <laughs> 
Do you know what I mean? It's just like messy. It's still it's quite a lot to do. It, it cost me, yeah. cost me more money I mean, than their yeah. deposit. Pay. It also hurts emotionally, right? You've got a nice yeah. box and someone doesn't just disrespects it and doesn't look after it. And the thing is that no matter how careful you are with your tenant selection, if you have enough properties, at some point you're going to get a bad tenant yes. who doesn't look after it. And they might be a really decent person and something happens in their life. That yeah, not intentionally. Or they tenant. just have different standards to you. And, and, yeah, exactly. But but that's important to remember because when you put your rental properties out, we want to provide good quality accommodation at good rates. If you do that, you'll always fill it. But you're not going to live there. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have to be to your standards, but it needs to be to the standards of the tenant you're trying to attract and that's another way of using social media by the way by showing people the kind of properties you do you can attract company i'd love to live there and you can even start to build a little waiting list of people because i believe if you invest in property certainly nowadays there is competition i like a strategy called houses of multiple occupation hmos where you you have a house you rent out individual rooms and there are different types of tenants who live there you might have groups of students or young professionals or working people etc It's a great strategy because you make a lot more rental income than if you just rent it out to a family or something. You often pay the bills, the the broadband internet and the the electric, et cetera. But it's a very, very profitable strategy. But there's a lot of HMOs out there. So my advice is don't do a normal HMO because you'll end up competing on price. What you want to do is a high-end HMO that looks amazing. It's a really functional room, great design. And what that means is you actually charge higher rent you have that more discerning client who probably looks after your property better. They stay there longer. And instead of just by getting a room and a house and an HMO, they're becoming part of a community. It's what we call co-living. And this high-end co-living concept is, and, and all property adapts, property evolves. You can't come into one industry and expect to do the same thing for 20 years. I'm sure you agree, social media is constantly changing, right? Mm-hmm. And the principles are the same, but you need to adapt, you need to adjust, you need to keep yourself up to speed with what's going on yeah. if you really want to maximize your business. You have got a webinar coming up soon, haven't you? You've got some training that's on the horizon for you and your I business. have, yeah. So the interesting thing is a lot of a question people always ask about property, is now a good time to invest in property? I wish I'd done it 20 years ago. And frankly, yeah. 20 years ago would have been a better time to do it. But if yeah. you didn't do it then, rather than crying over spilt milk, now is always a good time to get in as long as you know what you're doing. With you know the high inflation that we're going, rising interest rates, a lot of people talking about going into recession and what's that going to mean. And so there are a couple of fundamental things I want to share. And this is particularly relevant for people who are in property already. But if you're not, also listen carefully. So the first thing is that if you have been investing in property for the last 10, 12 years, if the market does change, and I don't think we're going to see a crash, but I think we might see a little bit of a correction if we go into mm-hmm. recession. More people wanted to sell. Or some landlords wanted to get rid of properties because of all this new legislation and taxes yeah. and things. So increased supply, less demand, maybe we might see prices come start to come down. So if you've been investing last 10 or 12 years, what you've been doing over that time may not be the appropriate strategies moving forward if we get a declining market. So that's an important point if you're already investing. The other thing is we all like to get a good deal, right? We always like to buy a good deal, get some instant equity. It's actually easier to get good deals when the market's starting to come down or going down rather than when it's going up. And so interestingly, most investors run for the hills and panic when prices are coming down. But actually, it's one of the best times to invest as long as you know what you're doing. For investors who've been doing it for a while, you might need to think about some different strategy for the next six to 12 months moving forward. That's going to be what I'm talking about. And also people who are not in property yet, but like this idea of 
oh, well, actually, I'd love to get some properties to give me some extra income. And if you've got a business, especially if you're starting a new business and cash flow can be a bit up and down, wouldn't it be great to have regular income coming in from a property? So if you have a down month in the business, you can still put food on the table. You're not affected because you've got this income coming in from your property. It's a very reassuring place to be. So I believe everyone should be looking at property. But people sometimes worry about, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, but don't I have to have lots of deposit money? Don't I be able to get to mortgages? And there is a tool I'm going to share on this training where actually you can make monthly profit from property and benefit from long-term capital growth without actually owning the property. What that means is you don't need money for big deposits. You don't even need to get mortgages. And I know you both do rent to rent, which is a fantastic strategy. It's similar to rent to rent, but it's a little bit better than rent to rent because as well as getting monthly cash flow, you also have the right to buy this property in the future if you want to do it. You don't have to buy it. So it's a really fantastic way. So whether you're completely new to property, you want to get a foot on the ladder without a big deposit, or if you're already in property and you want to get some more, but you've tied up all your funds, you really need to come and learn about this training. So I think there's going to be a link in the show notes for this, and you might share a link yeah. later. But I just encourage people to have a really open mind. And, and I've been teaching people to invest since 2003. So it's almost 20 years now. Wow. And I don't think there's anyone else in the UK who has been consistently training for that long. Some people have started before me, but they stopped, they've come again, but consistently yeah. that long. And what that means is I'm probably one of the only trainers in the UK who've trained in the boom of 2006, 2007, then through the crash of eight, nine, and 10. And still we've had some incredibly successful students because when everyone's panicking, that's when you need help and guidance. So in through that, I know exactly what happens. I know exactly what you need to do. And that's what I'm going to share on this webinar. And what I love is I think the perception of people who invest in property is that they've already got money and it's okay for them because they've got money and money goes to money and all of that. But what you're sharing and what I've learned over the last few years is that actually it's not about that. What it is is about just having the nerve to go for it. You don't need the money. You just need to understand what you're trying to do and apply the methodology. But it does take a bit of nerve, doesn't it? So for you to buy a house based on credit card checks, I think is, you know, really ballsy, definitely. I'm not saying anyone should do that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I admire it. I don't think I would do it. And it's something I did in 2003 and it worked really well. I've done it a few times since. I don't do that right now. But my knowledge, my my experience has advanced on for that. So I don't do that anymore. But for some people, that might work. But I've kind of moved on for that. And actually... This is something I really want to get across to people. Very often people have these beliefs. We believe what we can do, what we can't do. And unfortunately, many of these beliefs sometimes hold us back and they limit us. And that's social media. Oh, well, I I don't want to post on social media because it's not Not quite me. It's not what, you know, what are people going to think of me? And they they have all this BS in their head. Yeah. And actually, they just get out and do it. And, And the reality is, as you know, when you post on social media, only a very small number of people in your feed are ever going to see it anyway. Yeah. Well, all, we're all too busy thinking about ourselves anyway to give a and you can get rid of it about you and what you've yeah, you can always delete it and, and you, yeah. what you said about you know just do it because if, if you wait till it's perfect it's never going to happen my book yeah. Property Magic which you know we sold over a couple of hundred thousand copies over the years I've got that happened. book good and I've read it I've just it, got it yeah. <laughs> 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 you definitely read it you definitely read it yeah. and we sold a lot of copies but you know the first edition it wasn't perfect and I had an editor look at it and, and every time I, I'd wince if I'd look at it and I'd see a mistake in there but so it's now in its sixth edition 
And we keep on adding more to it and updating it, except because the market keeps changing. But it's not perfect. The 200,000 people who read it, you know, you can't teach everything in a book, right? But so many people come back to me and say, hey, I've read your book, Property Magic, and it got me started. Or or I read it after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because that got me interested, but I didn't know what to do. And Property Magic filled in some of the gaps. And I've gone and bought my first house and I flipped it. And I get such a massive buzz out of knowing I've helped people. I've not made a lot of money from that book, but that's not what it's about. I know if you put enough value out there and help enough people people read my book this is amazing and they want to come and do more and they learn more and if you've got a business again you might have through social media you might be offering free reports or free tests and things you're giving value to people they start to get to know you they like you and they might come back and do more with you in your business so that's why social media is so important and you should get out there and, and tell everyone what you do if you were just coming into it now or advising your younger self or whatever what would be like the first move Okay, coming to your webinar. Uh, so maybe I'm, I'm well. Yeah, come to my webinar would be good. Read my book, Property Magic, would also be good. But I'm slightly biased. But I can genuinely say, hand on heart, if if I ever want to learn something new, knowing where I am now, and, and maybe it's different for me now because I've you know, I've, I've made loads of mistakes. Don't get me wrong, and I've learned the hard way. But I've also been pretty successful. If ever I want to learn something now, and I do this in my speaking business, in marketing, in my business. You know, if I wanted to learn about social media or become good, I wouldn't go and watch YouTube videos and try and work it. I'd come to someone like you who's already cracked the code. You've got a system and I just pay you to either teach me or do it for me because time is your most scarce resource. Yeah. You can always earn more money, but you can't get your time back. And and I think it's something I see. It's a very poor mindset I see people have. And they say, well, I, I don't want to spend money. I'm going to try and learn for free. I'm going to listen yeah. to podcasts. Look, you have this great podcast. I have a great podcast. I've got so much free information to give out on the podcast. But sometimes information is not what you need. Sometimes there's too much information out there. And what you need to do is come to someone who you're going to pay for their expertise and they're going to put it into a structure, put it into yeah. a formula, a process that you can follow, yeah. save yourself time. So, so my advice to myself is if I want to learn anything, I always go and find someone who's done what I want to do, who's also become successful at teaching other people. Because just because someone's a good property investor doesn't mean they can teach or mentor you how to do it. That's a different skill set. And the way you can test if they know how to teach other people is if they have plenty of successful clients and students. Yeah. And I think it's a common mistake as well in property, isn't it, where people think, well, I, I'll just do the house up myself, you know, save all that money. And it takes oh. them eight months to do it. And they, it could all, have been rented. All, all the lost seven. rent they've had, all the extra finance yeah. costs they've had. Let me give you one final thought to think about. And it's a mindset thing. Something I talk about a lot is a difference between a value and a cost mindset. People with a scarcity mindset will always look at the cost. What's the cost of paying someone to do my social media for me? What's the cost of paying a letting agent to manage my property? I could do it myself, surely. And yes, you can do it yourself. And a few properties, you can very much do that part-time. But if you really want to scale your business, your property business or your other business, you can't do all these jobs. And why not give your social media to someone who can do it for you or train you or someone in your team to do it for you? And you can then focus on the highest value activities you can do in your business. Yeah. And so very often people look at the cost of something. One of my mentors in the past, a guy called Brad Sugars, who set up oh, Action Coach. Action Coach, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. He, he's got a great saying. He says, not hiring someone in your business is costing you a fortune, not hiring someone who costs. Because we all think, oh, it's going to cost me a fortune to employ that person. We're looking at the cost. We're not looking at the value they're going to create in terms of the, the time they can free up for us so we can focus on the right things. Yeah. And I see it all the time. I see people 
especially when they're starting out in their business or in their property journey, whatever it might be, because they're trying to bootstrap and do things on a budget, it takes them so much longer than it should. I have a business uh, called Crowd Property, which is uh, a lending platform. So we find really good property deals. We have lots of lenders, whether they're we have some institutions, we have some family offices, we've got private individuals as well. Through that, I set up in 2013 and we did a, a raise. So we went out and we raised money. And thanks to my social media, because people know me, people thought that sounds a good idea. I like Simon, I trust Simon, I'm going to back him. And we had people put money into that. And so it gave us a budget to grow the company. Now, that business, our last raise we did was at 30 million pounds, just under 30 million pound value. I'm not in the business. I have a board of directors running that for me and they're all very well paid. But guess what? I'm free to do what I love to do, which is teaching and training people. But I'm still the major shareholder in that business. So if you have a business, whether it's in property or a non whatever the business is, don't try and do everything yourself. Bring other people in. And a way of doing that is raising funds and we did um, an enterprise investment scheme, which is a government-backed scheme, and tax incentives for people to invest in your business. So you're selling some shares, but I'd much rather have a smaller piece of a much, much bigger yes, pie. always. Rather than have all of a small entity myself. Yes. So, and it's just about thinking bigger and expanding your mindset. Where do you want to take your business? Yeah. And, and it's like you say, it seems to me you've built an empire on the strategy of wanting a bit of free time in your day. And, you know, that's, that's I never great. Planned. I never planned to do this. It just kind of happened, right? When people come along to the initial pin, we said, hey, Simon, this is great. We love coming to pin. We're learning. But can you run a day to teach? I thought, well, I never thought of it. So I ran a day and I enjoyed doing it and people paid and everyone was a winner, right? So that's what I'm saying. It comes from service. It comes from thinking, how can I help other people? Rather than how can I make lots of money? How can I add to other people's lives? How can I help them? As a landlord, we want to provide good quality accommodation for people. If you do that, you're always going to have tenants wanting to rent it. And that's my philosophy, really. Give good value. And yes, I want to make money. Of course, I'm not doing this for free. And, and, and I do do a lot of things for free. I do a lot of training for free, podcasts, videos. But you know what the biggest problem with free is? People don't value it. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, you can do a free day of training. I'm going to teach you all this great stuff. People register and half of you won't turn up. Yeah. You could charge a thousand pounds. You get a lot less people coming because it's a thousand. Oh, I don't want to spend a thousand. If you think about it, if you're going to buy a pro- average property in the UK is 300,000 pounds. Wow. If you were spending even 3000 pounds on training, we have, we have a 3000 pound course. We, we have a three day course. And um, people think, oh, that's a lot of money. Well, hang on a minute. That's that's 1% of the cost of the property. And if we're going to show you how you can save at least five to 10% off every property you buy, you're getting your money back so many. So again, it comes to yeah. value, not cost, right? But they have to trust, like you say, know you, like you, and trust that you they will deliver which, that value. Yeah, through social media, absolutely. Yeah. And, and look, we, we have things like money back guarantees up to halfway through. So I think if they, if they, because there are a lot of people who, who do courses in it, they're not so good, right? Yeah. Well, so just be careful, guys. Not everyone who's running a training course is the same. Not everyone who's offering to help your social media is the same. You always do your due diligence, always check people out find some of their successful students, et cetera. Yeah. So you, you definitely need to check things out, but you can save yourself so much time. And, and, yeah. and we believe we have such a good course and our home study courses, if you're not happy within a certain period of time, just let us know and we'll give you all your money back. You, we can't get that knowledge back out of your head. Yeah. And it's a physical course. We've got a hotel to pay for and accommodation and food and stuff. And we take that risk on because we know we've got really good products. We've been doing yeah. such a long time. We know how to convey this information in a way to make it really sh- not easy, 
because that suggests there's no work, there's work involved, but very straightforward. One final thing that this strategy I'm talking about on this webinar, the link's somewhere in the show notes. I've got one of my students is 17, 17 years old. He came and did some training about this strategy I'm going to teach you. And he went out and he found a landlord who had an HMA, who wanted to sell the HMA, wanted to retire. And he basically used this strategy to take this property on. He makes £1,500 profit a month from this property. Wow. He couldn't buy it because he's only saying he can't even get a mortgage. Yeah. It costs him £5,000 to do the deal. Wow. £5,000 to do it. Is it making £1,500? going to go far, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he's already got his second property. He's not going to leave college in debt. He's going to leave college with money in the bank. He's not going to have to get a proper job if he doesn't want to. I mean, yeah. a 17-year-old can do it. When you follow the process step by steps... All you've got to do is get out there and do it. So two questions we ask all of our guests. And um, the first one is, what makes you savvy? Because we're the Get Savvy Club. What makes me savvy? I think learning from my mistakes. I've made so many mistakes. And I, I love really- to hear that as well, because some people, particularly successful people, just say, oh, I did all this and then I was really successful and it, it was so easy. And I just oh, we know that's rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> that's complete rubbish. And, and you know, it's sometimes uh, I, I've sold my business for a pretty good sum, and sometimes people look at, oh, God, that, that must be so easy. No, it was it was an overnight success 17 years in the making. Right? <laughs> yeah. So a couple of things that make me savvy is, first of all, I realized that I try and learn from my mistakes. And also patience. I think we live in a microwave society. People want to get instant results. If they yeah. do that and don't get instant results, they think, oh, it doesn't work. And they, they don't give it long enough. Part of me being savvy is having the patience to have a plan and work the plan and give it long enough to reap the results. And then the second question is to recommend a book. So we've obviously got Property Magic, which is your book, but yeah. another book that has helped you, inspired you, wow. whatever. So many books. Uh, can I do two? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, one is Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon uh-huh. Hill, yeah. which is an absolute class. It was written, I think, in 1936 or 1936. So it's, the original book's a very old kind of language. Some examples are a bit dated, but the actual principles behind it about your thoughts become things and you get yeah. what you focus on. And that's why I got the concept of masterminding from. It's, I didn't come up with it. It comes from there. An amazing book. And I, I recommend anyone should go and read that. And then another book, and it's kind of linked to what I've been talking about earlier. So a friend of mine, I'm always investing in myself. I'm, I'm in a, a mastermind group in America. It's not, not a property group. It's kind of more business marketing group. Uh, it's a $25,000 investment over in Phoenix. And I used to fly three times a year. Then it was virtual. I'm just starting to, I went in February this year, actually. I just met someone at one of those. I sat down next to him, a guy called Benjamin Hardy. He's, he's now Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And he's written a number of different books. But his last book is called Who Not How by uh, Dan Sullivan, who's the founder of Strategic Coach and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. Now, ben actually wrote it, but he did it with Dan. And it's an amazing book. It's about what I said earlier, that you don't have to do everything in your business. You can get other people to help you. And there'll be people who are better at some of the things you need doing than you are. And they'll just do a job. And yes, you have to pay them. Or you might give them shares or whatever. Mm -hmm. Don't try and do everything yourself. Trying to get other people to help you is much, much smarter than trying to do it yourself. So that's my second recommendation. And and all of Ben's books are good. I think they get better and better each time. Yes, fabulous. So we will put the link to the webinar in the show notes 
Did we say the date of the webinar? Uh, no, I, and I'd rather not do that. I'd just say go and check it out. I think we're going to have a couple of dates to choose. Oh, okay, oh. fine. That makes sense. Um, so the link, actually, yeah. I'd, I'd say go and, and if you register, will you get it again if you can't? Yeah, when, when you register, you get it. Um, there is a limited time period on it, though, so it's not something. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening to this podcast six months' time, you probably missed yeah. it, I'm afraid. Bad but, luck. Yeah. Bad luck. You should be more <laughs> Snoozy <speed>. lose. <laughs> Another tip, speed of implementation. Do things quickly if you want to be successful. Yeah. <laughs> idea, just go and do it. Do that post on social social media don't overthink it just go and do it yeah take action and if you're in property you definitely need to go and listen if you're kind of intrigued and how can you get profit from a property and potential growth without even owning it without a mortgage without a deposit well i'm going to tell you how come and do this trade. if you're enjoying marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club use your podcast app to rate review and subscribe awesome so told you that was interesting and i told you what a lovely guy he was and um what an interesting career he's had. And it just make it sound so easy, doesn't he? And actually, there's loads of people think, oh, I'll just make a bit of money in property. Or if you're like my husband, think, oh, you can't make any money in property anymore because the government is screwing you over and left, right, and centre, making it so hard for private landlords. He's quite down on, on all of that kind of thing. But actually, there are loads of different ways you can do it. And um, I don't understand what a lot of them are, but obviously Simon does. And if you are thinking of maybe getting into property or you're in property and you want to learn a specific new strategy or whatever, which is purchase lease or I don't really understand it myself but what you should do is listen to that webinar and just see just see if you think it could be something for you because I think the thing about making money from property is it's not that hard to do but it does take a bit of balls a bit of balls (laughs) does take (laughs) balls to actually be the one that goes for it rather than the ones that just talk about it and go to all the training and things like that so you know why can't that be you why not it's the perfect thing to put alongside something you're already doing as well so you don't need to like resign your job take a massive risk and all of that it's you know the perfect thing to kind of like build up alongside and we know lots of the people that we work with who are in property are kind of in property as well as their day job aren't they it's a good thing to just kind of see if you can make a bit of money extra money on the side um, and turn that into your business which lots of people do so we've got a question haven't we around that today because we do work with a lot of people and by the way we have a link on this podcast so if you're interested in learning more about the strategies that simon spoke about on the podcast then head over and go to that link and i believe the webinar it's a bit of a timely one this you've only got the first couple of weeks of september 20 if you're listening after the 15th of september 2022 you've missed it so yeah so forget it (laughs) but Uh, do feel free to contact us or simon or whatever i'm sure he'll do more stuff yeah there'll be other there'll be other things coming but yeah yeah, this is we don't very often do things that need to be at that time that you do them but then there are some of you that consume our content like virtually as it comes out so it's for you guys that can get onto it so because we help a lot of people that are in the property industry we hear this question a lot all uh, the time yeah and practically every single property talk that we do when we do an event and it's a property event and we're talking about social media to help people in property this one always always comes up and it does make sense because often people like Anita said that get into property alongside the business that they've got because they can see that that gives going to give them financial freedom it's going to unlock opportunities make more money an extra income stream so we often get asked what to do with their social media presence if they have a day job and they also have a property business that they're building up. Should they have two different profiles? Should there be one person on one social media platform and uh, one person on another? So basically, I don't know, Instagram, they're talking about the property. LinkedIn, they're going to talk about their 
day job? And the answer to that is, firstly, don't ever have two different LinkedIn profiles because they will shut you down. And secondly, it really just depends on who you are and what your business is. So a lot of people that are starting property, they may not need to use social media for their job. Like we always say, you've got to pick one thing and that's important in this. So, I mean, we're talking about this property stuff now because it's relevant to the guest Simon Zucci that we've had on here, but you won't necessarily see Anita and I talking about looking for landlords that want guaranteed rent or this, because it would get confusing. That's what it was like for me when I first started out. I was doing lots of different things on social media, not even that long ago. And it was too confusing for people to know exactly what we did. So we went all in on Get Savvy Club, Get Savvy Club really needs us to have the attention on that. So that's what we talk about on social media. So you need to weigh up your property business and weigh up your job and see which one of those you want to pick to lead with. Not saying that you can't talk about property in Facebook groups behind closed doors with Facebook, you know, with, with people that are in property. But if your job you don't need social media for, if you're working in a government office, I don't know, and nobody cares what your LinkedIn is because you don't need it for anything, then you can just go all out and speak about property on that. Yeah, and I think there's two things, isn't there? Sometimes, well, quite a lot of people worry um, what their colleagues might think of them if they suddenly start saying, oh, I'm in property, and like, oh, get her. And, and actually, are your colleagues looking at you on LinkedIn or social media that regularly, or do they have lives of their own? Far from people being like outraged that you've done this they probably won't even notice it'll be a complete dance squib whatever that saying is um so as long as your work i mean some people's work insist that they use their linkedin profiles for their work but you'll have some kind of social media policy if that's the case so if your work don't mind don't worry about what your colleagues think and own it you never know that they might have an opportunity but they didn't know you did that and actually they can have a chat with you about it and the other part of it is people think well if they're changing what they say they're doing on social media does that mean that they have to just get rid of all their old connections and they're all not relevant and the answer to that is no they absolutely are relevant because particularly on LinkedIn you've got 30,000 connections you can have so you're probably going to be very far from reaching capacity and you don't know so they might be connections that you've made through your job as I don't know a nurse or a teacher or whatever but it doesn't mean that they won't have an opportunity or know somebody who knows somebody that you know can help you with property or, or what have you or something like that and if they are your connections they know I can trust you they're probably active if you know you're speaking to them regularly on that platform or seeing their content so don't get rid of don't feel you have to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater just because you're changing what you do because everything you've done before is still relevant it makes you the person you are it builds no like and trust and it means you've got those connections as well so keep it if you are interested in getting into property a great place to start is listening to simon zucci's webinar that he's running currently until the 15th of september 2022 so click on the link that's in the show notes i'm um, going to let us know i'm interested yeah. in what it is i've got no yeah, idea i know of the strategy and it's a really good strategy for those that are are starting out you know want to start out want to want to make money but perhaps mm. you don't need to have a whole ton of money to get involved in this particular strategy okay well we'll see you on the next one bye have an awesome day bye that was marketing made easy the podcast from get savvy club if you enjoyed it connect with us on social media just search get savvy club <laughs>